0: What you're listening to, and now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning Podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. Welcome
1: to the Tuesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Got a whole bunch of stuff for you, and thank you all for tuning in wherever you are in the region, across the nation. And around the world, there's a new website on the way February 1st. I'll tell you more about that as we go along here. Stuff to talk about includes the retirement of one of my favorite tight ends to ever play the game. That would be Greg Olson. Um, A discussion about where Houston quarterback Deshaun Watson and Detroit quarterback Matthew Stafford would go. Uh, Should they come to Carolina? Why or why not? And I have Jay... Spivey joining me. I nearly couldn't read that. I, you know, And my wife told me, put your glasses on before you get started. Okay, my glasses are on. And we have Jalen Gilkey from WFMY to join me. And plus an unpopular opinion about Tom Brady to close things out. Now let's get to this. Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. Matthew Stafford wants out of Detroit. I say bravo to both. Because now they realize they're in situations that don't favor them. And I mean favor them by winning championships. It's just that Matthew Stafford has been through this a little bit longer than Deshaun Watson. When I would have been, if I were Deshaun Watson, I'd have been done after DeAndre Hopkins was traded. Okay. You get, I would have been done after. Um, that would have been done before De, De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was traded. I mean, you up 24 nothing on Kansas City, and then you lose that game. Okay, and then they still kept Bill O'Brien for five games into 2020, but that's water under the bridge right now. I think Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford realize that their current teams will not equip them with the tools they need to win. Now, the pro for Deshaun Watson coming to Carolina would be youth. Okay, Deshaun Watson is in his 20s. He's got a lot of arm strength left. He is very mobile and he can get you some passes downfield, which Teddy Bridgewater could not this past season. The problem with Deshaun Watson, I don't want him to settle into being Lamar Jackson. And that's make all of your plays with your legs and not using that rocket arm that he has. I don't think that would be an issue, but I could that there's a part of me where my spider senses would go off and could potent it would potentially become an issue. I I pray that doesn't happen. Okay? As far as Matthew Stafford goes, Matthew Stafford went to the Lions and said, you know what? Get me out of here now. After ten years, Matthew Stafford wants out of Detroit. Bravo. Now, what would be Matthew Stafford's con to come to care uh, if if the Panthers were to make a trade for either of these two quarterbacks, which are who are still in their prime, by the way? Yes, Matthew Stafford is still in his in his prime. He's been beat up like crazy, but he's still in his prime right now. He has a chance to heal and has a chance to go to a team. You know, what? I'm going to answer this another way. There's always going to be pros and cons to bring either Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, elite quarterbacks, and the reason I said Matthew wasn't elite for the long time because he was playing for the Lions. Now that he has a chance to go somewhere else, I changed my mind. I see Matthew Stafford as being elite. Either one of these two could help the Carolina Panthers, but it all depends on what the Carolina Panthers would give up, and they need help on defense. And I wouldn't be surprised if all their picks were were, uh, on defense again. Because are you really going to find a quarterback in the first round? Are you really going to find a quarterback in this draft? Aside of aside of the obvious and Mac Jones and the other uh, uh, Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, but I think those three are already spoken for. I think those three are already spoken for. It's going to take basically a king's ransom to land to land them both. Now I'm gonna answer a question that folks have asked me. Where do I see either of these two landing? Well, with Deshaun Watson, I don't know because there's so many play, there's so many teams that are interested in him, but it's going to take a team effort. It'll take a, it's going to take a team effort, and it'll take a king's ransom team effort. Uh, It'll take a King's Ransom to get either of these two. To get either of these two. Now, I'll start with Matthew Stafford and where I think he will wind up. And I say wind up because anything could happen in a short amount of time. Okay? Okay. Anything can happen in a short amount of time. But I believe the team that could wind up with Matthew Stafford, and I mean right now, right now, as crazy as this sounds, would be the Indianapolis Colts. Why do I think he would be a good fit with the Indianapolis Colts? Because they have something that Matthew Stafford has never had in his career. An offensive line. A healthy offensive line. An offensive line that has been the nucleus of the Indianapolis Colts. They have a running game. They have three able running backs, including a guy that would be a jackknife running back. And I'm talking about Naheem Hines. The Panthers have the same kind of back in Christian McCaffrey, but the offensive line raises a lot of questions right now. They have people that Matthew Stafford can throw the ball to, and I mean throw the ball deep, T.Y. Hilton, Mo uh, uh Michael Pittman. I can't believe I forgot his name. Michael Pittman. They have people that Matthew Stafford can throw the ball to already. So they have a ready-made offense. And plus, who's the coach? Frank Reich. What did Frank Reich do for a living? He was a quarterback. And name the Hall of Fame quarterback that Frank Reich backed up? Oh, that would be Jim Kelly. So if anybody can whip Stafford into shape, it would be Frank Reich. Leaning on the years that he played behind Jim Kelly, and went to four Super Bowls. And by the way, won one as an offensive coordinator with Philadelphia. The con for either of these two quarterbacks to come here is the fact that the Panthers do not have an offensive line that is a nucleus. They do not have an offensive line that is together. They do not have an offensive line that is in place. And that is the problem. That's the big old problem that I see. Now, how about Deshaun Watson? I'm going to have Jalen Gilkey on later on in the show, and we're going to discuss this very thing. What would be the biggest, and I, I mentioned this before, what would be the biggest con for bringing Deshaun Watson to Carolina? It would be a perfect fit because he played at Clemson. He's from the area. He's from the southern area. But I don't want Deshaun Watson to turn into Teddy Bridgewater. Here's what I mean, and I'll explain it again. I don't want to see. I don't want uh, Deshaun Watson to turn into Lamar Jackson. I beg your pardon, or either one of them. I lost my train of thought. I don't want Deshaun Watson to make more plays with his legs than his arm, because the quarterback's respons- main responsibility is to get your team downfield. And how do you get your team downfield in a hurry? With an arm. And both of these guys have great arms. Okay? Where, what would be a potential landing spot for Deshaun Watson? I have three in mind. New Orleans, because Drew Brees is walking away. Chicago, because they need an upgrade from Mitch the, Mitchie the Kid. And as strange as this sounds, San Francisco. San Francisco is used to a uh, mobile quarterback. Does the name Steve Young mean anything to you? Does the name Jeff Garcia mean anything to you? And I might have to change my unpopular opinion or add one to it at the end of the show concerning the San Francisco 49ers. Matter of fact, I'll add one. But I don't think Deshaun Watson would... I don't think San Francisco would give up on Jimmy Garoppolo just because the fans say, oh, we need to kick him to the curb. And before I get off track, I'll save that for later. So for me, New Orleans and Chicago. The question mark with Chicago is the same question mark that I have for bringing him to Carolina, the offensive line. Too many injuries along the offensive line, too much inconsistency along the offensive line. Matthew Stafford may have a good, If the Colts trade a number one pick for him, because if you bring Matthew Stafford to Indianapolis, and I know I'm jumping all over the place. If you bring Matthew Stafford to Indianapolis, you got a ready-made offense from the line to the running backs. If you bring Matthew Stafford to Carolina, you got a running back. You don't know if you're going to have two receivers because Curtis Samuel is Samuel is doing extension. Robbie Anderson is good, but Robbie Anderson is a goal receiver. We don't have a slot receiver in Carolina. And then there's the health of Christian McCaffrey. I hate to bring it up, but there's the health of Christian McCaffrey. It is it is a concern. With Deshaun Watson, he faced the same questions and would basically have the offense heaped on him the same way you had it heaped on him in Houston. The Panthers need to get some more playmakers on offense, or the ones that are there now need to step up and become playmakers. The wild card for me, for Deshaun Watson, where he would land? As crazy as this sounds, and I know Jalen Gilkey will probably agree with me, that wild card would be the Chicago Bears. Think about it. How long has it been since the Bears had a legitimate quarterback. And I'm talking about legitimate and durable. Think about it. How long has it been since the Chicago Bears had a legitimate, durable quarterback? And before you mention Jay Cutler to me, Jay Cutler was there for eight years. You know how many playoff wins Jay Cutler had in those eight years? One. One. You know how many playoff wins Jim McMahon had in one season with the Bears? Of course, I'm talking about 1985. Three. Divisional Championship Super Bowl. So would you take a quarterback that's been there eight years, been as durable as possible, but only got you one playoff victory? Or would you take a quarterback that's been considerably beat up but got behind a better offensive line and lead you to not one, not two, but three victories in the same playoff season? i take a chance on option B. Greg Olson has retired. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of Famer. 14 seasons, 8,600-plus yards, 742 receptions, 60 touchdowns. First tight in the post, three consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons ever. And all three came with Carolina. He will join Fox Network full-time. Greg Olson is a Hall of Famer. First ballot, I don't know. Because the Hall of Fame seems to have a kind of backwards mentality when it comes to two positions on offense, fullbacks and tight ends. Because if they didn't have that kind of position on fullbacks and tight ends, there are two tight ends they played in the 90s that would have been in already. Brent Jones is one, Jay Novacek's the other. Now I know I keep bringing it back to the 49ers and the Cowboys, but think about it. Think about it. Rob Gronkowski is set. The day he walks off for good, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer because of the way he, um, the way he revolutionized the tight end position. I'll give you two others who are playing right now that are on their way to the Hall of that will be on their way to the Hall of Fame and have revolutionized the tight end position. One of them is Travis Kelsey. Who will be playing in the Super Bowl? And the other is George Kittle who played in who has played in the Super Bowl and will play in another one next year. I'll play in another one. But I'll say it again. There's there there are two positions with that the Hall of Fame does not like. At least not lately. At least not lately. And that is tight end and fullback. Hope that changes pretty soon. Headlines are next and then Jay Spivey after that. This is Snowman in the Morning. Yes, it is that time of the week where I welcome the one and only Jay Spivey. To the program, he's the co-host of Franchise Players along with Ryan Stone Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Jay, how are you, my friend? Good to talk to you again.
2: You too, Ryan. Always good to talk to you too.
1: Okay, man. Let's start with the ACC Big Four. Wake defeat. We'll start with Wake Forest. Wake defeated Pitt over the weekend to give head coach Steve Forbes his first ACC victory in year one. What have you seen over the past two weeks in regards to Wake Forest that makes you feel confident that Forbes was the right choice to hire for the Deacons?
2: Well, honestly, I think you and I have talked about this over the last month or so. But literally, anything would have been better than Danny Manning. I mean, he just he just didn't prove himself to be a head coach in a major conference, and that's nothing against him per se, not nothing to say anything negative about him as a person. But right. he just didn't prove himself as a head coach and they just had to hire somebody after six years of pure misery. Yes. And, I mean, you know, I've talked about this a number of times, but Wake, has, Wake does not have ACC-level talent right now. And, right. You know, for them, they really haven't been out of any game of any ACC game. They just came up short every time until this past Saturday to get fit. And even then, they were up, you know, two minutes to ago, they were up seven points and had to hold off fit there at the end. Pitt had a shot at the buzzer that would have won the
1: game. I mean, when what what has to happen for Wake Forest to get that? And we talked about this. We've talked about this the last two weeks. What has to happen aside of winning ball games for Wake to get that that talent pool back in Winston Salem?
2: It's going to take a lot of recruiting, and I, I think Steve Forbes is the right guy for this job. I really do. I, mean, I was a little skeptical, although he's a little he he was very successful at East Tennessee, because um, there was another coach I, I was hoping they would hire, but they did not. And uh, a local coach here in the Triad, and uh, I was actually hoping they'd pitch West Miller. I mean, hire West Miller from uh, USCG, but I uh, think they, they went with Steve Forbes. And he was very successful, and I think he's proven that he can deal with the kids. He could recruit. He can deal with the public. He can deal with the Wake Forest alumni and fans. I mean, once the fans come back, I think it's going to be the right fit, and it's going to hit the recruiting trail the next two or three, four years, and get his tight players in there because most of these guys are transfers or um, you know, kind of cast off other programs. And these guys have sort of messed pretty well. And have, like I said, have not been blown out of any ACC game because even though they're probably by far the worst team in the
1: league. To North Carolina State, who lost to the Tar Heels on Saturday on the road eighty-six, seventy-six. last Wednesday. The Wolfpack got blasted at Florida State 105-73, to and they get the Demon Deacons on Wednesday night. That's an 8 o'clock tip. What has happened to Kevin Keats' squad over the past couple of games?
2: I think uh... – Part of it is they had the the, the COVID issue where they had this pa- pause for a while. but you know, I, I, for whatever reason, Keats's teams have a tendency of doing this roller coaster ride over over the over the years he's been there. And I mean, I, I think he's a good coach. He's certainly proven himself everywhere he's been. But for whatever reason, they seem to have this roller coaster ride, and whether their fans there or not, I mean, Carolina seems to own them. And I either you know, you know, State gets up for that game more than any other game in their, on their schedule. Probably, I mean, they're only thirty miles apart, and it's just one of those things where they can't overcome that obstacle. score I almost feel like the State players and coaching and even their fans, to a certain extent, kind of kind of look at themselves as, as like Carolina's little brother.
1: Are they still one of the dark horses to win the ACC? Speaking of North Carolina State.
2: I am. I mean, I guess you could say that on, on a given day, pretty much anybody in the conference can win this year because it's so there's there's not it's not really that top heavy and it's kind of you know everybody's kind of there's a lot of parity and uh, outside of Wake maybe a few others. I mean, there's not a, a, not a really bad team in there. There's just not a lot of good teams. I mean, they could win. I mean, they could win. Yeah, they could string together three or four games and win the ACC ACC tournament or or the regular season.
1: To the Duke Blue Devils, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Duke has lost three straight ACC games for the first time since 2016, and Coach K was in the news for his response to a Duke student reporter after the game. Why don't more people call Coach K out for this behavior when he loses?
2: That's a good question, Brian. Honestly, I didn't know about this until uh, uh, Sunday night, and – you know as a reporter you know I've been in the business for as a professional for 30 almost 30 years now and, you know I've dealt with this with coaches before at all levels high school college professional and for whatever reason they had this superior superiority complex over the media and if you're it's, and the media doesn't deserve that i mean it's not the worst thing i've ever seen a coach do but he should not have done that and i hope he will somehow reach out to the to the uh, um the Duke reporter who if he called out for no particular reason, you know, there's no reason to bring up what major you are in a particular particular college that has no relevance to the game whatsoever. And they're just struggling, and for whatever, for whatever reason, he took out his frustrations on the media. Is and this, he just can't do that.
1: You can't. You really can't. Does this Duke season feel like a repeat of 1995 when they struggled really badly and Coach K had his back injury, and I put that in quotes?
2: I know there's kind of that storyline going out there right now, but I, I don't think so. Okay. But, I mean, you know, you, I, this Duke team is far better than that team was talent-wise. Uh, they just, you know, losing three three in a row, and they're out of the top 25 for the first time in years. And, you know, but I, I don't, I wouldn't exactly equate this season to the to 95 season because you and I talked about this last week. I mean, they had no talent in 95, and, you know, a lot of people – Truly believe he walked away when he said he had a, had back surgery and everything kind of fell on his assistant Pete Godell at the time. Yeah, but, I mean a lot of people feel that way and they certainly have their right to believe that. I mean after he has got the track record to, um, yeah, that he's done this before, so you know it hasn't given anybody any reason not to believe that.
1: Yeah, very very true. It just seemed that way to me because of how some of the games have gone, you know. Um, is this this is not the first or second time he's had that, but is it time to press the panic button on the Duke Blue Devils?
2: No, I mean we still got really about what six, a little less than six weeks left in the regular season, and then conference they, and They're going to get the NCAA tournament, assuming we have an NCAA tournament. I mean, no, there's reason to panic panic for that right now. I mean, if they if they lose four or five, six in a row here, then then we can panic, but. In a row in a tough conference, even this is a down conference this year, per se, no, there's no reason to panic. There's still time to get better. It's still January. There's still a like lot time, lot
1: time to breathe. Let's round up the Big Four conversation with North Carolina. They defeated they defeated North Carolina State on Saturday after defeating Wake Forest last week. They get a tough Pittsburgh squad followed by Clemson next Tuesday before the annual tilt versus Duke, with the addition of sophomore Anthony Harris to the lineup. And Caleb loves improved confidence. The Heels look like they're rounding into form. You spoke about it with Duke. I'll give you the same question with North Carolina. How good can this North Carolina Tar Heels team be by March?
2: By now, I mean, you could you could make that argument now, Brian. I mean, they might be the best team in the ACC right now, if you really look at it. I mean, there's some good teams. Virginia's good. Louisville's good. Syracuse has been really good. I mean – you can make the argument that Carolina's probably the best team in the conference right now. It's out of a maybe a couple of teams, but you know, they that'll be proven out over the next five, six weeks. And you know, they could easily win the conference, they could win the ACC tournament. And they could make a run in the that boy tournament, although I don't think they're a national championship caliber right now. But yeah, you know, they could do that when there's so much parody in college basketball right now, pretty much any team to win right now on give yeah. a given night.
1: Nice. Yeah. Any given night. This is the season of any given night. And I'll pose a final final question that has been on my mind. And uh, Desmond introduced me to this. How soon should a bubble in Greensboro have been executed for the ACC season? And my backup question is, can it still be done with six weeks left in the season? Or are we past that point?
2: You know, it's funny. He and I uh, talked about this. Talked about this over the weekend. Uh, the exact same question. And uh, um, I would say, Brian, has, if the issues keep coming, necessary to do. So, they could pull us together pretty quickly. I know there's some teams that maybe not be as close to North Carolina as uh, you know, you know, the Big Four and the, the, the two Virginia schools and maybe Clemson. But you could pull this together pretty quickly. It's just rounding up the hotel rooms and. You know, getting everybody socially distanced and that type thing. But I'm sure, you know, I'm not knocking him as a head coach. He's certainly proven himself to be, one of, himself to be one of the best coaches in the country. But I'm sure that Jim Bayhom at Syracuse will complain about that. And he's always complaining that, the, complaining that they're in the AFC and have to come to North Carolina all the time to play. And um, I think you could pull it together if, if they really deem it necessary. And, you know, they deem that the money is so important to play the tournament. Because let's face it. ACC terminal is all about money. It's not yep. really about who wins and who loses.
1: Yep. We we've talked about this before.
2: So I, think, I believe it is possible. I, I think you could probably pull this together and you know, no, no more than a month. I mean and, and that might be scripting the day. Yeah. Because yeah. there's plenty of hotel there's plenty of hotel rooms in Greensboro or even near Greensboro and you know, you could play actually you don't necessarily have to play in the Coliseum itself. There's plenty of gyms in that area they could play in. Mm-hmm. I mean if they're not gonna be any fans, what they gonna make.
1: And if they pull this kind of bubble off and and put it together very quickly, they could use this same pattern all through Indianapolis to get the NCAA tournament uh, done. Absolutely. No question about it. They could pull this same thing in Indianapolis. They could recoup whatever – they could try to recoup whatever they lost by putting the tournament on. And putting the tournament on is their biggest concern, is the NCAA's biggest concern right now. You and I spoke of this last week it's all it's all about the money we know that's clear and at the same time they chose they chose indiana because that's their headquarters so so why not put a bubble together with some of the conference tournaments now and then by the time you get to indianapolis you have a pattern
2: in place absolutely i mean if you're going to play five or six straight days in a row it's actually easier to pull off a conference tournament bubble probably than it is to do an NCAA tournament bubble. Yeah, which is what they're trying to do in Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, and they're not—they're not, not going to play. They're not going to play two straight weeks of basketball. They're going to have a little breaks in between. Yep, in, in the NCAA tournament, unlike in the conference tournament.
1: Yep, and I don't even know if they're going to use the um, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. They—I I know they'd like to. They'd like to see mm-hmm. if there's a chance that they could put twenty to thirty thousand people, because as we talked about last week, um, the thing that they changed is to have a house for the final four to go from forty thousand mm-hmm. to seventy thousand people. And were the conditions normal, they could easily put seventy to seventy-five thousand in Lucas Oil Stadium, and they've done so twice already. So, mm-hmm. just depends on what the attendance policy is going to be. At Lucas Oil Stadium, but this can eat. This can be done if if they can uh, find a. If the ACC can pull a conference bubble off, then the NCAA has their has their blueprint.
2: Well, in essence, I mean, moving at the Greensboro is sort of like a bubble anyway. Is a, mm-hmm. a sort of concession without saying that. I mean, it was originally supposed to be in Washington. There's yep. not as many teams that close to Washington as there are in Greensboro. So in right. essence, they're kind of doing that anyway, without saying it's a bubble. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they are. They are. Yeah, this, there's, there's still going to be more talk. This, Jay and I are still going to talk about this a lot more of why the tournament is necessary. And if you all haven't figured it out, stick around. Jay and I are going to have a conversation about that. Thanks for coming <laughs> on, buddy. Always a pleasure. All
2: right, Brian. Take care, man.
1: If you all haven't figured it out that it's all about the money, For the NCAA to try to recoup back what they lost last year, which was to the tune, I believe, of $600 million. Yeah, nothing else needs to be said. This is Snowman in the Morning. All right, folks, you know, the next two weeks are going to be Super Bowl crazy. And of course, within the Super Bowl crazy debates are going to be, God help me, who's the greatest quarterback of all time? And I have a reason I'm bristling for that. I'll get to that in a moment. But for now, help me welcome the fellow known as Silky Gilkey. He is Jalen Gilkey from WFMY News 2 Sports Reporter. And had a little trouble connecting, and it's it's my own fault. But I have Jalen with me right now. Jalen, how are you, my friend?
0: I'm well, bro. How you doing, man? I'm good. Pleasure doing to be good. on. I appreciate you uh, taking some time out for me today. Hey,
1: hey, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for coming on. It's Tampa Bay and it's Kansas City in two weeks' time. Can Patrick Mahomes, yes, Patrick Mahomes, be the actual greatest of all time or in that conversation if he doesn't defeat Tom Brady in this head-to-head matchup?
0: That's a great question, Brad. I'm gonna start by saying there is no way you could say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time, even <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl right. by beating Tom Brady. Right. And I'm gonna just say this now because there's only one goat right now. It's clear. It's clear as day. We got Tom Brady, Mister Ten-Time Super Bowl Appearances, Six Rings, 14 NSC AFC Championship Appearances. Those are the type of numbers you can't get in three years. It's just not possible. I understand the first, what, three rings. Brady won. You know, you could say he was more of a game manager. Mm-hmm. I know you could say the first two for sure, and I know Mahomes is a generational talent, and you know he's got he his game encompasses a a, a select uh, skill set that you know we haven't seen together before. But just the the sheer work and the dedication that it takes to make it to 10 Super Bowls Mm -hmm. cannot be surpassed by winning two in a row or even by beating Tom Brady.
1: Okay, see this is why you and I are not gonna be friends for a while, and I kid when I say this. I've had this argument of who is the greatest of all time with many a person, including my executive producer Desmond Johnson. See, I'm old. And the fellow who did it for me, and this is why I can't make the can't make the comparison because we're crossing eras here. The exactly. that, you got
0: you got a little bit more uh, <laughs> a little bit more history underneath your tail.
1: <laughs> because and I hate throwing this name out there and people bristle at me, and I mean that playfully, because the fellow that did it for me, his last name was Montana. And I'm Fair not enough. I'm not at all, and I never will bristle at what tom brady has done i said it on my show yesterday can't 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 do that but it would be it's gonna be a great super bowl man with these two getting together in tampa
0: it's gonna be a spectacular super bowl i'm gonna be honest we could have we could have skipped the whole year (laughs) and got right to this because i mean this this i mean this is you can't get more chalk than this right yeah, you can't get more chalk to this. this. Is this is like taking
2: <laughs> this? This is
0: like saying it's going to be Kansas versus Kentucky in the national championship game before the season starts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but
1: it is. Even given the it's year, it's going
0: to be a great show.
1: Can can we it's just, be a great show? Can can we just put seventy thousand in Raymond James Stadium and get away with it this once? You know, even in the midst of hey, everything that's time, going on. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Make sure everybody's
1: wearing their mask. Everybody, put your mask. Everybody, put your mask on. They're not letting people. They're not going to let the teams in until two days prior, which I totally understand that. That came out yesterday. But can we for once just get a full house? Everybody, wear your mask. You know, make sure you have your sanitizer. Open the concession stands, every- and you know the concession stands are going to be off the hook because it's the Super Bowl. Oh,
0: come on now. <laughs> <laughs> It can't be. My dad, my dad went to the Super Bowl, uh, the Hardball Bowl. Ah, his New 49ers. Orleans versus my Ravens. New Orleans. So his Forty Nineers versus my Ravens. He didn't take me. <laughs> he called me. He called me at halftime after the power went out. Beyonce, when Beyonce performed, he says, he goes, man, I went to go get a beer. I came back. They told me it was twenty five dollars for a beer. He said he said it was ridiculous. He said, we down eight. He said, they was down like 21-3 at halftime. Yep. He said, you know what? It was me that pulled the power plug. He said, I "I turned the lights off. I'm done with this. (laughs) I
1: tell you you what's funny about Super Bowls in the Superdome. Um, 1990, 1989, um, 49ers were playing the Broncos. On my mom's birthday in 1990, my cousin called Mm -hmm. my mother and – asked her to get me on the phone so I did and he asked me does Denver have any chance of beating the 49ers I said are you kidding I'm like this is Joe Montana we're talking about I love John Elway but this is Montana we're talking about here Montana to Rice baby it's not happening it's not happening and he said why are you so sure and I said look at him look at this team When the 49ers got done blowing out the Broncos, my mom gets a package, and on the back of the envelope, my cousin writes, are you kidding me? And he put the score 55-10. to I'm like, I told (laughs) you. That's what this Super Bowl feels like with Brady and Mahomes. That's what this Super Bowl feels like.
0: So, wait a minute.
1: So you trying to tell me you think it's going to be 55-10 in my home? Oh no, 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 no. I I'm talking about okay. I, I'm talking about the 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 hype of the game is going to be it's is going to be right. crazy. The hype of the game is going to okay. be Okay, okay, be, okay. It might well, wind up 55. I was about to say. It, hey, it it was really, we was up, really about to get at it. Listen, other. it might wind up 55-54 with a two-point conversion on the line. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> it might That's wind up Exactly
2: what I'm
0: thinking. With
1: like Fifteen hundred yards of offense in this game. Let's look at the no,
0: championship. I think, to, I think <laughs> this upcoming Super Bowl will be a record-setting points, yards oh, yeah. accumulated. I I, I believe it's it. going to be one of those.
1: One of these two teams, I really I, feel, is going to be the third team that puts up fifty in a Super Bowl. Because you got the 49ers, Absolutely. you got the Cowboys. One of these two, if not both, could put up fifty in the Super Bowl, folks. That's just how dynamic exactly. this Super Bowl is is going is is going to be. Go to Green Bay for a moment. Who deserves the blame more for the Packer loss, Aaron Rodgers or Matt Lafleur, the head coach?
0: Hmm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna have to say Matt Lafleur on this one, just because we got we gotta give we gotta put all the cards out on the table. Yeah, fourth. I know it's I know it's fourth and goal from the eight, but you gotta lay all your <laughs> cards out there. It's two minutes left. You think Brady's giving you the ball back? There's no way. <laughs> You think the same so I way think, I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no way you, with 205 left, you're going to get the ball back with Tom Brady. Your defense no, hasn't it, really, especially hasn't stopped the run game,
1: s- especially since Tampa Bay Brady, got their every, act every time together. Especially since Tampa exactly. Bay, throughout what, the course of the game, got their act together.
0: That's the biggest thing. Exactly. I'm, the only, the only time they stopped them was when Brady was throwing them picks. That what? was it. It wasn't many That's cuts. It? Look, and I'm thinking, I'm like, there's no way he's gonna throw four picks. No, there's
1: no way. No, 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 no. as smooth an
0: operator he as Brady is throwing a pick right there. As smooth
1: an operator as Brady is, come on now, no way
0: possible. Not in no, the fourth quarter. Top, I don't know what the floor The first three quarters,
1: the first three quarters, you could get away with Brady throwing a pick, but in the money period, as I like to say during my during my basketball broadcast, so or football, during the money period, Tom Brady is money. Patrick Mahomes is money. money. They're not throwing a pick in the fourth quarter. See, this is exactly. why I make the reference from uh, Brady to Montana. Montana in the fourth quarter, forget it. You're not seeing the football when he has the ball in Lights the fourth out. quarter.
0: <laughs> Lice out, man. That's why I just didn't quite understand that move. I'm sitting there, I'm watching the game, and I'm just like, I don't know if this is this is this is the move that's going to win you. <laughs> <laughs> you get you to the super bowl you know what i'm saying it was a re- real conservative play yeah it was from a guy that isn't hasn't been you know historically conservative in his two years so uh, it was a little shocking to see especially yeah. when you got you when, when you have the more talented quarterback on the field at the time yep not the best not the better one but you have yep. the more talented quarterback on the field
1: so look at, let's look at these last two championship games in terms of aaron Rodgers. This year, yeah. he had not one, but two wide-open paths to the end zone. One in the first half and one in the second half. And, of course, we yeah. talked about that one in the fourth one. quarter where he could have just strolled in. He tried to in. force
0: the one. Yep. Yeah, he could have strolled in. And then it was the first half when he tried to force it to Adam. Yep. Yeah, coming underneath. Yeah, that was, that was a tough one to see there. That was a tough one to see.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, and this, one, this one's at home. I'll get to that point in a moment. But then you had what happened in Santa Clara last year when was everybody was saying Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback this these are the statements that were that that were said Aaron Rodgers has the better quarterback the packers had the better running game they had the more proven tight end and the 49ers mm-hmm. god love my team walked up to green bay january of last year and basically put a foot in their ass from the first yeah, sir, they did. from the second drive the, 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 the 49ers had the ball, ball. <laughs>
0: The old curb salt, man. It was not pretty. You and know, my dad got man. Look, you need to get my dad out here. He a 49ers man. He can talk all that. Hey, that Joe I, Montana. Been, he can talk all that, that 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 golden days for you.
1: I've been a 49 ers since eighty one when they beat the Cowboys, and 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 when they beat the Cowboys for the NFC Championship. Okay, I've mm-hmm. loved football since that since that day. All right. And my my I'm wife's dead. my wife's a big time Colts fan, so we always have fun in the house every Sunday when there's when there's football on. She's like, you got to find the Colts game first. And they have not played football that way for the last
0: four years. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: boy. Oh man, Jalen Gilkey joining me here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at Silky Gilkey. Let's get back to this. Where would you like to see these players? And I got three of them here in 2021 and the first one I'll start with is Aaron Rodgers
0: who I'm gonna say this just for you and my dad just to make y'all smile I want to miss San Fran I know (laughs) y'all done with Jimmy G I know y'all done with Jimmy G
1: Uh, what not so fast not so fast everybody wants to put Jimmy G down because of a horribly a horribly injured season okay he took him to the Super Bowl last uh, year. I when think, he took virtually we'll, this every is our snap
0: second injured season, correct? Yeah,
1: second uh, because he lost we lost him to an ACL uh one year and mm. then we lost him to a multiple injuries this year. I say give him one more shot. But I know they're going to pick a backup. Well, I know they're going to get a backup. Yeah, you for got a year. you got a longer leash.
0: You got a longer leash than my dad. I tell you <laughs> that. Cuz he he ready to kick Six. Jimmy G off the porch.
1: I, I look, half of 49ers nation is, okay, but When he comes back next year and throws up the numbers, I believe he's going to throw up. Then we'll have this conversation again. How about Matthew Stafford? Where do you see him going?
0: You know, I'd like to see hmm, Matthew Stafford. I like him. He's a veteran. I like to see him go somewhere that's already got some established weapons. They just need a little bit better quarterback play. I'm thinking Atlanta would be a good spot for Matthew Stafford. They got Julio. Mm -hmm. They got Ridley, who's – a solidified A plus number two, A minus number one option. Right. You know, they got Hayden Hurst. Uh, we got, we got, we got a Gurley. We don't really know what we're going to get from Gurley next year. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they have a good, solid uh, receiving core that'll give Matthew Stafford the option to, you know, still show off that gunslinger mentality. And yeah. if you've watched and realized over the last two, three, four years, he's, his, his his IQ has been, I wouldn't say it's gotten stronger, but he, he uses it more. Yeah, you know, It's more in the forefront of his mind yeah. when he's playing. He's not, you know, at first when he came out, he was just out there just chucking it. Very true. You know, just big arm guy. But yep. now he seems to be, you know, way more comfortable. Uh, that might have something to do with, you know, the offensive line, becoming a little bit more solidified and things like that, you know, because football is the ultimate team game. So it's, the man in front of you is not doing your job. You can't do your job. But it's just—I feel like I need to get him. We need to get him somewhere that has weapons, and that he can use them now. And he doesn't have to. Where he doesn't have guys that he's got to mentor up either. Yeah, I feel like somewhere with an established receiver core is a great place for him to go. And I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm looking for Matt Stafford in Atlanta. Now, see—I—I I do believe Matt Ryan is a free agent this year. I believe after he this is. year, maybe coming up after next year. Yep. So. It's about time for them to make a move because they're going to have to move off of Matt Ryan.
1: I'll tell you a playoff team that could use Matt Stafford, Indianapolis. Because Phillip Rivers just retired. Jacoby Brissett is not going to be the number one because he had a chance to be the number one. Then A, he got injured, and B, he was very inaccurate. Give Stafford Mm -hmm. that offensive line in Indianapolis. Give him that running game. That's a great – Give him those receivers. Matthew Stafford could be a great landing spot plus – it's not just one year that they would get out of Stafford.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that, I like that idea. That's a, that's a good idea. Like you said, they got this established line, which is crucial. Mm-hmm. They got Ty, and then they got the young uh, receiver out of SC, Pittman. Yep, Michael Pittman. So they got they definitely got some. yeah, they got options, and you know they got the weapon, the threat. Naheem Hines, dual threat. A, oh. Little Jack, Jack of all trades out there coming yeah, out the back buddy field. and then the hammer, Jonathan Taylor. So they they definitely have a lot of pieces. They they just miss an arm.
1: Yeah, they just they, they're just Poole, missing an Poole arm.
0: Out there with the dead arm.
1: Now the million dollar question: Deshaun Watson, where do you think he winds up?
0: Hmm. <laughs> <Personally>, <laughs> I could see my own, I could see I the have, wheels
1: turning. I could see the wheels turning, yeah, and they come to a screeching halt. The last
0: one, so I've been trying. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out where I was going to place him because I knew this was going to be your last option. Yep. So, personally, I don't know if it's just because I got, you know, my A and T (laughs) ties. I'd love to see Deshaun Watson go to Chicago. Yeah. Just to show. show Yeah. Because I know, you know, Allen Robbins is a free agent. Mm -hmm. You know, the offensive line isn't that great. But that is – I feel like that's an offense – that is just missing a quarterback that yeah. can get the ball down the field, no matter what the elements are like. So and I think that's the biggest knock on Trubisky right now is that his arm isn't big enough, right, to cut to cut through that wind out there in Green Bay in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a big arm, smart quarterback, and one that can elude in the pocket as well because the line isn't that great. I feel like that's a great fit for them. I know he's saying he wants to go to the Jets or the Dolphins, and that's what the reports are saying. I don't see those fits. I mean, I don't – The Dolphins, I feel like the Dolphins probably have a better base than Chicago, but I think Chicago will probably be able to provide more now. You know what I'm saying?
1: Chicago is the perfect fit because there's a fellow that they were missing in their offense – that could really help Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about Tariq Cohen. You know, the 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 Jackknife yeah, Jack running buddy, back. Man. The Jackknife. Hey, reach out to him for me, will you? Let's see if we can talk to him. But I'm talking about Tariq Cohen.
0: I'll see if I can set that up Sweet.
1: Point. And the Jackknife running back. And I always have loved. Um, uh, Dave Vennett's a good friend of mine. He's the voice of Northwestern. He put it the super back. Tariq Cohen is that super back for Chicago. And Deshaun Watson in Chicago would be an upgrade in mobility upgrade in arm strength upgrade in smarts as well because through the years Deshaun Watson has gotten better at reading defenses and being ready and I think a switch to the NFC would really help him out as well
0: absolutely man I just you know he's been in the he's been in the league he's proven in college that he's ready for no moment is too big for him you know two shootouts with Bama yes he's he's had Houston right there kind of nipping at folks heels in the, in the, in the AFC, even mm-hmm. though they weren't a super talented team and they've shown, they've been a bit of a dumpster fire. Yeah. Organizationally. I think he needs a fresh start, go somewhere with a lot of history, a lot of tradition in a city. That's going to truly embrace them. Cause I mean, I was talking to one of the guys I work with. He's a huge Bears fan. And he, I mean, when he when I said maybe a possibility of Watson going to Chicago, his eyes just lit up, man. He's oh, yeah. Like, That's what we need. He's like he's like, man, I mean, he he's about thirty five and he's like, Man, I've never had a quarterback that I was like, That's our quarterback. Yeah. Since he's been alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like I feel like he would just bring so much energy to that city, to that organization. Indeed. And you know, they already got Khalil Mack, they got pieces on defense. They just need they just have the to
1: they, they just need to upgrade that offensive line, upgrade the offensive yep. line because every everything, and this is true about every every offense begins with a great offensive line. Just ask Jimmy Johnson and the Dallas Cowboys of the '90s and Bill Walsh in the 49ers of the '80s, and also Bill Parcells to the Giants of the '80s. Where did everything start with them? It started with the run game and the offensive line. Right you got front. the backs. You got the back. You got David Montgomery. David Montgomery could be a thousand yard rusher, easy if you upgrade that offensive line. Let's move here to
0: Carolina. And,
1: go, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say. Plus, you add Tariq in the mix. Yep, Mr. Jack of all trades. M- this could be dangerous, man. I all they love need is a, you know to maybe they resign. Maybe they Robinson. Maybe they don't. Maybe, maybe they get another receiver in the draft. You know, they just need pieces to surround. They need a quarterback because they have pieces. They just need to put them all together.
1: Yeah, they absolutely do. Moving on here to the Panthers. What are your thoughts on tight end Greg Olsen announcing his retirement? Do you think he's a Hall of Fame player?
0: Oh, man. That's a tough question, man. Um, I don't know all the numbers on Olsen, but I do know that he's a Hall of Fame person. I know he has Hall of Fame moments in his career. I just don't know if everything altogether. I don't know if he was successful enough on the field. Yeah. I don't know if he was an integral enough part. I don't know if he's an integral enough part of the offense those first five years. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I I, it, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, um, but I can't say for certain that he's gonna get in. I can't just go out on that limb because I don't I don't quite see it. Yeah. But I wish him the best, and I hope. That he does make it because, like I said previously, he's a Hall of Fame person and he's had some of the some great moments and some of the best moments in Carolina Panther history. So yep. it would seem that it would be fitting that he made it to the Hall of Fame.
1: And he, I, I think he's worthy. I really believe he's worthy of a Hall of Fame nod. I think he's worthy of a of a gold jacket because how many tight ends outside of Shannon Sharp, you know, get into mm-hmm. the hall of, get into the Hall of Fame? I believe Shannon Sharp was the last tight end to make it in. And we all know what he did for his career with the Broncos between the Broncos and the Baltimore Ravens. And speaking of your Ravens, I have mm-hmm. that ninety six yard touchdown that he caught against the Oakland Raiders <laughs> in the AFC Championship, and he outrun every young he outran every young gun on the Oakland Raiders trying to chase him down. I do have that. Man. I do have that clip. I-, I do have that clip because that,
0: that is I'm, one of the most spectacular plays yeah, in the history of the NFL because people don't realize <laughs> Like in college and high school, you know, people can break 85 yards, mm-hmm. 80 yards, 90 yard touchdowns, but they don't realize how hard that is in the NFL because yeah. of the game speed. Yeah. Like if you, if you watch Lamar, like Lamar has a few good long runs, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have, you know, super, you know, the 85, breakaway. 70 yard runs because those guys out there, those guys, once they get on that angle, they can run too. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter, you know, uh even some of them like even Tyreek Hill you know yeah. he makes some of the longer plays okay. in the league but you would be surprised that you know he got a maybe i think maybe 80 yards is his long his longest touchdown yeah and it's just because everybody's fast
1: mhm yeah everything everything's fast everyone's faster everyone's stronger It's a different different say. mode of the NFL one more with the Panthers they have the 8th overall pick in the draft, what's the better move? Draft a young quarterback or trade the pick for additional picks and flesh out the young roster? Which one do you think is the better move?
0: I'm going to be honest, man. I think the Panthers need more help defensively than they do at quarterback right now, honestly. Uh, I love the pickup of Jeremy Chinn last year. Mm-hmm. I love the way Brian Burns had turned it on. Yep. He's had a great two years. But I still think they're a Mike Backer away, or maybe maybe a Will. But they need another backer and they need another cornerback, man.
1: Yeah, they need a keekly Bad. They need a Keekly style linebacker, the one who one of the guys who yeah, can make all they the they defensive need. calls, become a become a captain immediately, and and just take over mm-hmm. that line. That's just be the be the man in that linebacking core. You know, that's yeah. That's, that's exactly why I, I think they they, do. they they have
0: to replace because yep. you got to think. They lost Thomas Davis and Keekley the same year I believe, right? Yeah, so, They did. I mean that's, that's that's almost 30 years of experience mm-hmm. from your linebacker room gone mm-hmm. in one offseason. Yeah. So it's just and, and got they to feel were that very gap. and they were but very, very green. Jeremy bring
1: <clears throat> they were very green at the linebacker precision and you saw it throughout the course of the year when stops needed to be made throughout the year just look at how they played in the NFC South and, and there's nothing against the opponents in the NFC South and not saying that it the, and not saying that it was bad but, it was, they, but there were key stops against New Orleans twice, against Atlanta twice, and against Tampa Bay twice where they needed to make a big stop and there was no like big-time linebacker there to corral anybody to get them there.
0: Exactly. And even if you think about the first game of the year when they played the Raiders, yep. That was just, I mean Josh Jacobs just ran ran through them like I don't even know. I can't even say probably up there what they ran them through one them like good, you know what I'm saying? So they, they, they made so one good, good like, stop.
1: They made one good stop in the fourth <laughs> quarter. They win 30-27. The Raiders don't get downfield and get that winning score. One stop. Exactly. One stop. That so you I need. think that's where they I think that's 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 where they I think that's where they need to go. This is Jalen Gilkey joining me here and we've had a, this has been a wonderful football conversation got to have you on more often wfmy zone jalen gilkey joining me follow him at silky gilkey we're going to be breaking down the super bowl all the way to and through super bowl sunday an absolute pleasure my brother thank you
0: thank you sir i appreciate the time man you be blessed
1: i have an unpopular opinion and it concerns tom brady this is snowman in the morning time to close things out on uh, this Tuesday. want to thank everyone for listening. I'll tell you who I have tomorrow and it's going to be a very, very a very short closing because it begins with a question. Where were you on this date one year ago when the news broke of the death of Kobe Bean Bryant. I'll tell you exactly where wife and I were. We were at work. And it was a Sunday afternoon. I'll never forget it. When the word started to circle from one of my good friends, Hassani Wizard, who I'm going to have on this show very soon. That his he told he came to me and there were nearly tears in his eyes and he said to me i just learned some i just learned something very messed up i said what's that he said my friend just told me that kobe bryant has died i said what you got to be kidding me so as soon <clears throat> As I punched out, I took off and headed for the, uh, the break room really quick because I was waiting on, uh, waiting on the wife so we can take off and come home. And when you know it, that's the only, that, that, that was the biggest piece of news. And I realized he wasn't kidding. I won't tell you what I exactly said, but my wife knew immediately I was affected by it because Kobe's one of my favorite. Kobe was one of my favorite players. And there was such a conflict when it came to Kobe of what he did off the floor And I'm talking about one particular event, and I will not, I will not get into a a discussion with that for many, many reasons. I've always said I judge players by what they do on their chosen field of athletic battle. Well, with that still being the case, and to quite a few haters that, Said the same to, to quite a few haters that say I will ne- I I wouldn't keep this show, and that I have to learn basketball, and I have to watch basketball. To them, I say I've forgotten more than I've forgotten more knowledge about basketball than you've been able to put in in your time on this earth, and I will never forget one Kobe Bryant. I mean. The Lakers retired both of his numbers, 8 and 24. I love the way he played. I loved his mentality, the the, the Mamba mentality. And my wife looked at me when it came to this show, and she said, you need to develop that and work it. Because I got to be honest with you, I kind of broke down last night. And I tried holding it in, and it didn't work. And that's when the wife came to me and said, what's wrong? And I broke down. The mentality she told me about or reminded me of the Mamba mentality concerns this show here. Continuing to get up each morning, tell the truth about teams, tell the truth about players, tell the truth about people and not care what other people thought. Because there are some exciting things going on. But back to the subject at hand. The news began to circle around the workplace very quickly. Very, very quickly. About the death of Kobe Bryant. And to say that it was. To say that it affected me. Because I've seen his entire 20-year career. I saw his entire 20-year career. And it was it was tough. It was tough to watch. And all the news clips that came in and all of the reports that came in about what happened and how it happened and everything like that. It was the t- one of the toughest stories I ever had to talk about. One of the toughest. And it's still tough a year later. I was watching a video by one of my dear friends, Cole Johnson, and I advise you all to check out Cole Sports on YouTube and be ready for Cole Johnson to be on uh, my network five days a week. Not to mention, I'm going to try and get him on the show five days a week. He had the top five Mamba moments. And I can honestly tell you, I can't remember the moments right now. Because it's it was very emotional to me. And still is. When you lose someone that has been the fabric of your life, whether you know them or not, it affects you. I don't care what anybody says, and I will say it again. When you lose someone that's been the fabric of your life or had a piece of a fabric of your life, it's going to affect you. And the perfect example of my life that I can think of of someone that died that had a profound effect on me, you guys know him, Jim Durham, former Bulls announcer. I got a Jim Durham clip that I'm going to play to close this out here in a moment. But when Jim Durham passed on November 5th, 2012, I burst into tears because I listened to him for 20 years, 20 years, longer than that. I don't I, I know there have been other play by play announcers and don't worry I'm gonna tie this all together into a neat little bow here in just a moment but i I couldn't think I couldn't think of a moment when the news came down that Kobe passed I couldn't think of a moment that fit perfectly then the call by Jim Durham during the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Uh, I, it's just it, it's just tough. I can't pick five moments that stood out to me because they all did. They all did. Because uh. I'm having a tough time I'm I'm having a tough time now. I'm having a tough time now. This week, I will probably put my five favorite moments together. At least I'll try to do so. But uh, I can honestly say it is not going to be the easiest trick in the world to pull off. All of his championships. There's five moments right there. There's the many game winners, but beyond all of that, what he was doing for women's basketball, what he was doing to bring the name of women's basketball to light, what he was doing to further himself I mean he won an Oscar for God's sakes what's that tell you tells me a lot I hadn't planned to close with this but I'm so jumbled right now and thinking about this and 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 thank you to um Cole Johnson for I playfully say a reminding me of this but B. Uh, putting it out there for for a reminder of how precious life is. And I believe Jody has punched up the button for me. What I'm going to give you to close things out, uh, we go to the Staples Center. Uh, May of 2002, it was the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings in game four of the Western Conference Finals. And two very important pieces of fabric of my life. In the same place as the song goes at the same damn time. Kobe Bryant, even though Kobe didn't hit the game winner, he started it. That's why I'm playing this clip. Kobe Bryant and Jim Durham. And Jim Durham has the call from 2002.
2: Kobe Bryant. Christy in for the right flips the shot up no good O'Neal lays it up missed oh, it. ball tipped down to Ori is straight on three Good. the Lakers have won Robert Ori's greatest hits tour continues oh no doubt
0: about it he's got to be getting a Grammy for that
1: one and that's how I'm going to close I'm probably going to play it again and again and again and again You know something? It kind of fits. Have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big. Do bigger. Pick up the podcast and the interviews they're in one hour after this show completes. Rest in peace, Jim Durham. And rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Snowman's out of here. See you tomorrow.
2: Kobe Bryant on the move against Christie. In for the right, flips the shot up. No good. O'Neal lays it up, missed oh. it. Ball tipped or- out to or- he is straight up.